Welcome to the Sell or Die podcast. I'm your host, Jeffrey Gittimer. And I'm your host, Jen Gittimer. Well, in this podcast, we're going to help you attract more qualified, unbelievable, ready-to-buy clients. We're going to help you build loyal relationships. And the one thing you're hoping for, close more deals. Let's get into it. It's time to sell or die. Perfection is the enemy of progress. We allow ourselves to be imperfect so we can grow. Other people will say, well, they don't pay me enough to do that. Yeah, what I've had to learn, though, as a leader and now restarting Vangresso into us as a SaaS company um, is that saying perfection is the enemy of progress. Um, I've really had to throttle back my expectations. And, you know, the one thing that I've always uh, I've always prided myself on for the last six years of when I've launched and created our own company was that any problem that we face because it was a service based company, any problem I could pretty much fix. If I didn't like the content, I could change the content. If I didn't like the PowerPoint, I could change the PowerPoint. If I didn't like the delivery, I could teach on the delivery. If I didn't like a customer, I didn't have to work with a customer, right? Um, if I wanted a customer, I could go and prove out value to them uh, through our training. But now as a SaaS company, because I'm not a technical co-founder, meaning I am not the guy or gal that is out there programming and developing and tweaking and making this fine tune and making the UI look the you know like a, a good... I don't have that ability anymore. And so I feel a sense of loss of control. Um, at the same time, I also have had to recognize that perfection is the enemy of progress. But you know, in software development, it's incremental progress will eventually get you where you want to be. And if you don't release something, then you don't have that incremental progress and you can't start building. And so in the past, I always wanted to just wait till it was perfect. And now I'm like, release that bad boy and get it out there and we'll see what happens. <laughs> have you published your book yet? I have not published a book yet. And right, this so will be a good one. Because I have the title for you that's killer. Which is? From sassy to sass. From uh, okay, all right, all right. From sassy to sass, okay. I like that because it has. Uh, well, what do you mean by that in the title? And then the subtitle will define the book, and I'll help you write it. I, I, I love, I love it. I love it. From sassy to sass. That that, that is a. It's a great title. It's one of the things I've wanted to do is check that box, and I haven't just. Yeah. I frankly had time. You know, building and scaling. No, it's no, just no, having I'm not time. That. Okay. There's a fee associated with what I do. It will not be a ton of money, but we will work together very closely for a couple of days. You'll have to fly someplace and hang out and we'll create the framework, title, subtitle, table of contents, front matter, and hook so that there's a framework to the chapter. There's an architecture to the book. You look at my books, you see exactly what it is. Yeah, yeah. I've done 17 of them. And uh, you'll work with my designer and editor and you'll have a product that will not just be money, it'll be legacy. I love it, man. I love it. You, you fucking deserve that. Look what you've done. <laughs> I appreciate that. It's a, it's a, it is a uphill battle every single day. And I got battle wounds to, uh, yeah, to talk about exactly. that from the service side exactly. to the SaaS side, even today, even, so even one of the chapters, today. one of the chapters in your book will be the purple heart. When you get wounded in the war, the government uh, gives you a purple heart. Yes, and you, yes. And you wear that ribbon so that everyone can see it. Yeah. I think a lot of founders, they come inside and they don't want anybody to know what's going on. I've been pretty, pretty vocal about the experience, especially fundraising, especially fundraising inside yeah. of a downturn economy. Right now, I'm looking to raise our last 
400,000 of a $1 million pre-seed round. And that's it. That, that's it 400,000 of the last pre-seed round of, of the, of the final portion of the pre-seed. And then we go to the seed round, which would be another almost $3 million. But it is like, it, it is like going to the dentist and having your wisdom teeth pulled out with no, what do they call it? Novocaine? Is that what it is? That whatever they, whatever they put in your mouth that you, to, you know, numbs it with none of that. That that's what it's like right now in in raising because um, investors are have the mindset is totally shifted and LPs limited partners are are expecting totally something different but it's it's been a slug fest out there nonetheless um, you know we're on the right track we're doing the right things and uh, we just got to keep keep the course how virtual are you hundred percent virtual where do you, where do you live I live right outside of San Francisco so I am uh, thirty five minutes away in in Walnut. Technically Lafayette, which is right next to Walnut Creek. So you live on the East Bay. I live in the East Bay, yeah. I want to ask one more question. What is your opinion and how is your participation in AI? Uh, great question. So first off, uh, for us, Fly Message uh, will be releasing multiple components of AI, all related to really build into the workflow of an individual knowledge worker. I think AI is sexy and it's got a very fast market appeal because you can do so much that you couldn't have done uh, before. For example, uh, between the months of June through August, on average, we would write maybe 10 to 12 blogs per month. We have written 20 to 30 blogs, right? So it has astronomically increased productivity for certain. The downside is, is that it does a lot of regurgitation. And if you're not actually putting thought into it, then you can end up looking like a bot. It re you really can. So our approach to AI is actually uh, a bit different than others. <clears throat> we are actually approaching AI in the sense of what is the workflow of a knowledge worker and what do they need and how do they how would they use it every single day? So for us, Fly Message today is a text expander. Tomorrow, it'll be an AI writing assistant and text expander. So we will help you start from the very beginning, which is write whatever message you're looking for, whether that's a connection request on LinkedIn, whether that's a comment to a post on LinkedIn or Facebook or, or Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it now, or writing an email and then saving those messages as templates inside of a text expander so you can build it out anywhere online. And that's one of the big challenges that people are having today. I think the statistic is from Loom that 64% uh, of knowledge workers use a message or a snippet of a message every single day, multiple times per day. 85% use it at least multiple times per week. That same exact message. And what do we do? We go to a Google Doc, Word Doc, OneNote, Evernote, Notepad, Notebook, uh, draft email, or worse yet, we hunt and peck for it in our sent folder to figure out what did I send to so-and-so? Now I'm going to go find it. Now I copy it. Now I paste it. And believe it or not, you would you may not think about this until I say this very thing right next, which is on average, a message engagement takes two to 15 minutes per message, per customer, per engagement, because you're having to go find that data. So for us, we're approaching AI in a very different sense. And that is, I'm thinking about the workflow of the user, the knowledge worker, and I don't care if you're a salesperson, I don't care if you're an accounts payable, real estate agent, whatever it might be, what's that knowledge worker uh, workflow look like? Although sales and business owners are our dominant persona for fly mm -hmm. message users. And then we start with helping you write that, then we in, begin to inject uh, content like uh, imagery for that particular message. Then we can save that particular message and store and organize it. We can deploy that message. And now when we deploy that template, that message we have, it may say, hey, Jen, exclamation point. But now Fly Message pops up one last time and says, 
hold on. Before you hit send, Jen's kind of an old school type of gal. You should really greet her based upon personality insights as, hello, Jen, comma. And then you hit send and away you go into the ether. So that's how we're approaching it from that perspective. So I want to throw at you the challenge, the intellectual challenge that's come across my desk a hundred times. Is it a shortcut or is it a tool? And the answer is it's a tool unless you want to look like an idiot and then you use it as a shortcut. Yeah, absolutely agree with you. Because what you said there about Jen's an old school person, we want to put a comma instead of, a, of an exclamation point. That's rudimentary. You have to go into that email and customize it for Jen, or it's not going to resonate at all. I don't Absolutely. need the AB. I don't need the three bullet points. I don't need the standard email that says if I don't do this and my ass is going to fall off, or uh, I only have forty-eight hours to act. Uh, the classes are filling up fast. I, I don't need that crap. I need yeah. something custom that says if I win, here's what happens. If you sign up, here's how you win. Here's here's how you benefit from this. This yeah. is just for you, Jen. Absolutely. And and that's actually a lot of folks have talked about, you know, this whole concept of AI and automation. Yeah, it's there. And yeah, it can do some really cool things. For example, not a product that I, I invest in, nor do I have any affiliation, but it's called scribehow.com. You can record anything on your screen. It watches the entire freaking thing and it builds a step-by-step -step instruction guide with pictures and images and says, click here, click that. And it takes you... 10 minutes to record something that would have taken two hours to document step-by-step picture-by-picture, right? Now that's, that's using AI. Cool. That is really cool, right? So there's mm -hmm. some cool tech like that, uh, but it does require, guess what? A human to create the process. Yeah. And, and say- it, it requires a human to customize the response. That's absolutely right. Because once you create that process, now you look at it and AI could have gotten maybe 75% of it right. But over, but there's a fine little tune, a tweak, tweak here, tweak there. And the same thing with Fly Message. When we launched this, um, a lot of folks have asked us to build an automation. They want to be able to do like things like Apollo or Sales Loft or Outreach. And it's like, no, 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 no. A fool with the tool is still a fool. Exactly. So, so let's remove the foolishness out of this. And we need to be able to, yes, increase our productivity. Yes, get content out there um, to individuals. Yes, have a template. No problem. But now we use insights to be able to help us develop the right message for that particular user. And so that's as an example of what we're doing is, is being able to look at someone's LinkedIn profile and give valuable insights into, into what we should say. The Debbie Fields motto comes into play here. Uh, Mrs. Fields cookies. <laughs> Good enough never is. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And so you get this thing back and you go, oh, that's good enough. No, it's not good enough because somebody putting in the same info is going to get, you're going to get two emails that are going to be identical. Sure. Yeah. And you're going to look like a fool. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> Excuse me. I agree with you on that. And even as something like um, next week, we'll be releasing the the um, uh, LinkedIn commenting with AI, meaning you can go to anybody's profile, whatever they've posted by a click of a button, you can create a positive reply, thoughtful reply, curious reply, and um, we'll automatically grab the content, write a reply for you. And if you do that 10 times, you'll get 10 different responses. But at some point, the learning models, the LLMs, like in this case, OpenAI or Google Palm, which is the uh, engine behind uh, BARD, uh, those engines will recycle that information at some point. And so even something as simple as you use AI to write a comment, which by the way, we're using it and it works beautifully and it's pretty spot on. Yeah. But what a lot of folks aren't doing is the app mention, even something like app mention Jeffrey Gittimer, and I delete the Gittimer part and just have at Jeffrey. 
right? Where it actually shows that it was human engagement, human touch. And that's the difference between something that is purely automated and something that actually has a touch of human engagement. That's cool. I want to throw one other thing at you. Um, I'm going to give you a URL to take a look at. Literally right now? Um, You can if you want to, but you're better off doing it when we're done. Okay. Um, The company's name is Hyperreal, H-Y-P-E-R- R-E-A-L dot I-O, hyperreal.io. And they're typically in the entertainment business. They Their customers are the Beatles. Uh, they're doing the ABBA show in London, Michael Jackson, nobody famous. Um, but they're, they literally have a stable and they're as current as Billie Eilish. And they're, they're tonning it, but their financiers want subscribers. And so we've connected and I'm going to be their initial content guy. Okay. And I will have an avatar from my uh, 2009 seminar in Toronto. Okay. Uh, there five people are working on it literally every day and I will attract other content people. So it's so digital identity to- and being able yeah. to create media using that digital identity. Well, you'll be able to, um, I throw all my intellectual property into one pot thousand YouTube videos, 17 books, every kind of seminar, courses, everything. And you'll be able to ask me any question, any time of the day or night, anywhere in the world, and get an answer in any language. That is using your content. Yep. And I'll attract other people to put their content in. Yeah. Because the object of AI is to be able to get it. Anyone who's content rich, has to use it for their audience. Otherwise, Absolutely. They're, otherwise they're saying the same thing a hundred times. Absolutely. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. tired of saying the same thing a hundred times. <laughs> Mario is a leader and what he's doing, where he has um, gone from uh, sassy to sass, and he's now, uh, you know, a big shit CEO of a SaaS company that he doesn't have the same kind of control that he once did. It is even more incumbent upon him. He, he can't make the same kind of mistakes that he could bury. Those True. mistakes are now visible to everybody. Yeah, and I'll be happy to share with you some major mistakes that we made in the yeah. last four months. And, oh, and that, tell. Everyone yeah. wants to know what that. <laughs> but here's the deal. This is a human interview and AI is challenging humanity. I'm real. And, yeah. So I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm actually recording an interview for my AI channel that says, hey, this is the real me. I'm doing this. I, I need to make an intro. And because what they're going to do is just going to be amazing. When you see the the uh, the avatars, that they've already won two Academy Awards for avatars. They're the people that did the they they have the ABBA show in London, uh, where they where ABBA does two seminars, two seminars, two concerts a day. And um, Jen and I went to it. It was one of the I'm going to say it was one of the classic things I've ever seen. Wow! If you swear to God, it's them. Wow. 40 years ago. Very cool. I heard about this actually um, when I was doing some research on another investment company that was creating digital avatars that would be the content of <clears throat> superstars. It wasn't uh, this company was, I don't remember who it was, but it was another company of similar type. And I thought, well, that's pretty, that's pretty cool when it comes to AI. If you need contact with the founders of Hyperreal, I'm friends with them. Okay. I'll take a look at it for sure. And uh, let you know. You may need a, uh, you know, you may need a Mario avatar. That would be awesome. <laughs> what uh, would Mario say? Uh, stop faking the funk. Uh, a fool with the tool is still a fool. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you have all the, you have, and it's not expensive anymore to make your avatar. It's under a hundred grand. Yeah. Yeah. 
but I will make your hair a little more black and a little more full. <laughs> I've been trying to make it come back, but it's not, I'm not winning no, no, the no. battle, man. <laughs> no, no, no. That's over, bub. So but, but listen, the challenge is you're on a new path and the path is actually a more lucrative one than you had. It's just, if you need a brand new rope to harness it in and gain its power. Yeah. And, um, you know, the key for us is, and, and Jen, I think you were going to say something, so I want to get come back to what you were going to say, but the key for us is in our model, we have a PLG and SLG model. So that's product-led growth and sales-led growth. Product-led growth uh, companies are Loom, as an example, Calendly, DocuSign, Dropbox, even LinkedIn. But then you also have the sales-led growth, which is um, the same exact model that we all are normally used to, but selling to the B2B buyer in this case. And our biggest B2B buyer in this case would be the, the sales line of business. So for us, the, the largest thing that we're focused on right now is gross activations and driving gross activations to fly message um, and bringing in more value <clears throat> other than just a text expansion, bringing in that workflow. Uh, and so that has been a, a huge one. And then some major misses on our part um, over the last four months. So we, we did a full, a full conversion in April of 2023. That's when we did a full conversion into a SaaS company. And uh, I launched the company um, as with no uh, technical co-founder. And I had been building the product out since June of 2020 is when I'd been building the product out. And um, uh, as we launched... Uh, one of the things that um, uh, uh, we came to quickly find out is that we had a deficiency in our development process. And in April of this year, we launched new product and new technology that ultimately crumbled the system and we lost a thousand users right out of the get-go. Wow. In May, we got hit by a, a security vulnerability, which we found out about in March which was a refresh limit on the application that somebody from Hong Kong decided to keep hitting refresh, refresh, refresh 10,000 times, which took down the servers and uh, rendered the application unusable for two uh, days out of three different weeks. So basically we were down for two days out of three weeks, uh, sorry, two days a week for three weeks. And then in June, we released another product, which was um, fully tested, fully passed by QA. But here's one thing we didn't know. We did not know that a 1366 by 768 size screen, which is that 13 inch, 14 inch monitor at 90% zoom, instead of 100% zoom on your screen at 90% would cause so much of a ruckus. <laughs> and so um, that was one area that we didn't test for, right? So on the product development side, we lost a thousand users in nine days, boom, gone. A nine days. And so one of the, the biggest challenges that we had was really learning on uh, product development, how to release product and how to um, bring that to market. One of the things that we did was is we turned over the entire development team, literally except for one person. And wow. uh, I gave a three strikes you're out policy, performance improvement process for everybody, including the leader. And by the third strike, within two weeks, changed, done, no more. We cannot wait for this. This is not okay. Um, the fact that we lost so many thousands of subscribers in just four months really tanks our ability to be able to grow, number one, and having the right trajectory. Number two, getting new investment, right? Because yeah. investors are saying, wait a minute, this is going this way, not going this way. This is the opposite. So I had to be able to show if I'm going to go out and get investment and sell a story to an investor, they've got to be able to say, all right, I get what happened because it happens to every startup, by the way. 
Every SaaS startup has the same exact issue. The question is, is did you respond fast enough and how did you handle the situation? Or did you sit there and take yourself out of business? And so I had to be very decisive in, in the timing of this. April, May, June, you had till July 31st to fix the problem. Third strike, you're out. If you're not there, done. August 6th, done. You were done. <laughs> that was it. So I had to be able to show that to investors um, to build confidence in the existing investors, as well as in potential new investors. And so we learned some major things um, behind that. The good news is, is I can say as of this month, uh, we're now setting a completely new record and we have now the growth curve went like this down and now it's going like this from August forward. Um, and so we actually have a new record that we set for gross activations on the platform as a result of bringing in a new team and stabilizing all the problems that we had created beforehand. Okay, that's classic. It is. And what's even further um, is if I were to rewind and someone said to me, how would you do this differently going forward? If you were to restart all over again and hit control alt reset, what would you do differently? What I would do differently is I would find a technical co-founder that I would basically be in bed with, sleep all day with. We're, we're working on this night and day because one of the things you find is even though you have a head of engineering, they take pride in their work, no doubt. So the individuals take pride in their work, but there's not the same type of pride that you take if you don't own a piece of the company. Agree. So um, with that in mind, that's probably what I would have done differently. But that having been said, uh, I can't cry over spilled milk. I mean, it is what it is. Uh, and uh, I launched, I'm ready to go. And so I found a great head of, um, uh, of application engineering and we brought on brand new team members. And we, as a result of what we've done so far this month, we've definitely stabilized the um, infrastructure and I see progress. And I absolutely see um, peaks that we have uh, for um, the product. And uh, I'm excited to see what, what happens next. You would be the perfect person to talk about what are the bumps? Oh, so many. Plus, I did a crowdfunding campaign. And let me tell you about the crowdfunding campaign. Uh, well, if you want to know, but tell that, us. <laughs> every founder wants to know how to make it go. And we, we were very strategic about um, how we, we did a friends and family. We did, a, we're in our pre-seed. And this is, by the way, my first time fundraising. If you would have asked me, uh, actually a couple of years ago when I was on your podcast, I think we talked about this. I said, the hardest thing I ever did was doing a seven-way company merger, rolling up seven small businesses underneath one umbrella. And mm -hmm. you know, some of the founders, we ended up having three that we left after two years and four of us stayed together up until about a year and a half ago, where we decided we were going to start converting the company. And two of the founders said, uh, which are still on our board, have said, I love you guys, but I'm not the right fit to take us to the next level. So that was fine. And uh, I, I, I said back then, the hardest thing I ever did in my entire 26 years of business sales marketing and executive leadership was merging together seven people. Now, the hardest thing I've ever done is fundraising. <laughs> and every Tom, Dick, and Harry has a different lens of which they look at something. And there's no consistency whatsoever, except for a couple of things. Do you have forward momentum? Do you have growth trajectory? There's levels of greed. <laughs> levels of greed, but also I think so many things, uh, for example, a lot of these VCs are people that I've spoken to who have somehow found ways to get you know, $25, $50 million worth of funds and they have no like, real world practical experience. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's what I found in a lot of VCs um, that uh, they're a person behind the desk. And it's like, anyways, I'm not going to talk bad about many folks. But that having been said, we decided we were going to launch a crowdfunding campaign in addition as part of our friends and family round. And we raised $250,000 all through 93% um, of it came as a direct result of our social media influence. 7% came from WeFunder. Is that cool or what? 
Wow, that's incredible. Who and did that, you, what company did you use? WeFunder. WeFunder. Oh, WeFunder. I think they were the worst company to work with. And all because, let me, let me, say, let me say this. First, they did all the work. So the best part was they did all the work to be able to get the Reg CF forms and all that stuff filed. They say it takes 15 minutes and you'll be up and running. That is a hundred percent lie. All of them that say seed invest, we funder, and everyone that say 15 minutes, you'll be up and running. Lie, lie, total lie. It took us 75 days to get up and running. That's the first Whoa. thing. And that was us working at warp speed, working at warp speed. Now that's because of certain forms or regulations, things you have to fill out, wait, wait time audits, all these things that have to go through to be able to actually officially have an official launch. Yeah. So in that regard, they did a good job. They had the process down. They knew what they were doing. They, you know, where they were going, et cetera, where we got wrapped around the axle was, is all of these crowdfunding providers all advertise you know, you, you bring us, uh, uh, you, uh, uh, bring your campaign. We'll launch this to all of our angel investors, all of our angel investors. And you have hundred thousand, a million, two million. Now both of their angel investors. So what they, what they, what they will do is, is they will get it. They will get the advertisement out there, but here's what we learned. And here's the biggest mistake that we made, but because we didn't know, here we go. You get the privilege on WeFunder to pick your uh, lead investor. Now, lead investor is because it's called an SPV, a special purpose vehicle. All thousand investors roll up to one special purpose vehicle. That one SPV is the investor on your cap table. So this way, investors don't freak out that you've got you know a hundred or a thousand uh, investors on your cap table for whatever reasons they freak out about it. Nonetheless, uh, you roll them all up, and then you have one lead investor that signs all the paperwork, signs all the documents on behalf of everybody. Okay, great. Sounds like a great role. Somebody that you want to be able to trust. And they said, listen, when you're picking this person, make sure it's somebody that you trust. If you needed a swing vote, depending on how much you raise, let's say it's a million dollars and you know the people are going against you. You want someone that you can have in your corner, right? Great. Sounds great. Then I asked the million dollar question. Hey, whoever invests, if they invest $100 or they invest $100,000, does anybody know how much money an investor invested? Answer, no. No, they don't except one person, because, the lead investor. Yeah. And nobody told us the exception. So we went out and we found somebody that we trusted uh, as our lead investor, good friend of ours. Um, and uh, as a lead investor, I thought, oh, great. We know that like, I can trust this person. They absolutely will have our back if, if a push came to shove. Uh, hey, would you be a lead investor? They said, absolutely. So we put them up on as a lead investor. Well, they had only invested uh, $5,000, which was fine. We didn't, we didn't care. Nobody, nobody, nobody knew that. But here was the problem in crowdfunding campaign. Money talks. And so if your lead investor is a $5,000 investor, guess the type of the investors that are going to be attracted to your campaign when it hits their email box. The non-50,000, 100,000 type of investors. So I essentially cut our own throat by selecting and listening to the advice of some peon in the back end at WeFunder who did not tell us the full story. And no matter how much marketing they did on our behalf, we would have never had the ability to explode this to a million dollars. What I should have done is I had a $50,000 investor and I should have had the $50,000 angel investor be the lead investor. That's what I should have done. Instead, yeah. I took him direct to my cap table. And so those those are things when people like want to know the zits behind you know wow. crowdfunding. There you are. That's the biggest zit. Don't make that mistake. But nonetheless, I still raised a quarter million dollars from people who know, like, and trust my brand uh, all within about a five, six month period. We have a friend here That's in incredible. Charlotte who's a, a crowdfunder guy um, and he's world-class. 
and I'm looking at the potential of using him to get subscribers for my AI channel. I won't need a lead investor because I'm not raising money for the company. I'm raising money for the service. Um, and I don't know exactly how it works, but I, I trust this guy is just beyond trust. If you have someone who's gone through the experience of someone on the inside like that, it makes a world of difference, right? And well, I'm, dealing other with the, I'm dealing with the founder, not the flunky. Yeah, 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 exactly right. Yeah, it makes a world of difference that you have someone who can guide you through that process. For me, most of the founders who had raised a crowdfunding campaign that had had success, nobody ever knew about this zit. Nobody, not one person knew about this issue until oh. I faced it. And so that was really disappointing because um, the goal was to raise a million dollars through crowdfunding. And I could have easily had that if I had named a different lead investor. Uh, and that secondary lead investor came, by the way, um, after the first lead investor. And one of the things WeFunder makes you do is they make you, they like try to rush you through the process. Pick one, pick one, pick one, pick one, pick one. You need to pick one before you go live. And it was like, if I had gone through this a second time, I'd be like, uh, slow your roll. I'll pick one when I'm ready to pick one. That's what I'm going to do. But you're listening to the counsel of, of someone who's supposed to be guiding you. Nonetheless, well, we still had a good success. Someone's ah. supposed to know. Like that's what they Yes, do exactly right. Wrong. Exactly right. However, I will I will say this, no knock against the individual, um, but it was your 26-year-old uh, young person. I won't say kid because they're still they're an adult, but it was a 26-year-old that, you know, had been in the position for two years and, you know, they were doing their job. But they had never, you know, none of these folks had ever raised money before. None of these had gone through the experience. So anyways, um, that was a, a big, a big showdown um, and a disappointment, a huge disappointment. And I think any founder who's out there wanting to know about crowdfunding, um, look, I would say if you can crowdfund and you've got immediately out of the gate, a handful of investors that are ready to drop down 50K, go and um, launch your program. Because if you get out of the gates with a quarter million dollars and at least a lead investor that has 50 grand, now you get the attention of the VCs that are on those platforms, the uh, actual real angel investors, do it and you can have a successful campaign. But if you think for one second that these we funders, seed investor, any of these other ones are gonna drive money into your pocket, think again. I drove 93% of a quarter million dollars. That was a hundred and... Uh, in total so far, 190 investor meetings, of which wow. we, I closed 150 of them, and then one, uh, one, one VC to be able to make $650,000. Oh By the way, God. what I will say is this, is that um, doing those investor meetings with the 150 micro investors, I call them, it was fabulous because I basically perfected the pitch. And I can't tell you how many VCs have said to me, oh man, bro, if you were the guy pitching to me on the thing, on the deal that I'm going through due diligence, you know, uh, 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 later on or this last week or whatever it was, there wouldn't be a due diligence. I'd, I'd pick you. Um, and so now they're like, well, but you know, now I have to look at your financials, look at this. And so I've gotten the, you're the guy, I believe in you, but I'm not sure if this is what a product that I want to invest in, right? And it's like, oh my God. So anyways, um, th there you go. Those are my zits. This is amazing. You know, I look at this as one big sale because our listeners are mostly salespeople and they're thinking about, okay, so how do I now implement this for me? You basically made a big five or $6 million sale to multiple people along the way, right? So what are some of the principles, maybe even just with social media, because you said a lot of it came from there that our diehards should be paying attention to in terms of building up something where people would want to buy from them when they put something out there. 
Yeah, well, this is where I think marketing organizations really screwed up and sales leaders are really stuck on stupid. And to be quite frank, and if you're a seller and, you're, and you're, your marketing team is uh, um, uh, not providing the type of things that I'll, t I'll go over and your sales leader is still stuck on make a cold call and uh, send out more emails and is not embraced the omni-channel approach, go, go run, 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 dear God, run. Um, but we we did a, a pretty awesome and amazing campaign. I, I, I'm going to stroke my ego and and put a, a pat on the back of the entire team. This was an extremely well-planned out, well-thought-out uh, play. The first thing we did in launching this was um, we flew all flew down to Columbia. We rented an apartment. Uh, that apartment was a three-bedroom apartment, and it was tricked out, beautiful glass windows, floor to ceiling, all the way around overlooking the beach. Um, that apartment for the entire, whatever it was, 10 days that I was there cost us like a thousand dollars. It was like nothing. It was nothing. And it was on the beautiful beaches of Cartagena in Colombia. And we did a, um, a live uh, webinar. We built up anticipation for basically almost a month. And we were timing this when we were going to get approval by the SEC of our Reg CF forms with the launch of this thing. And we knew it was going to be somewhere between two and three weeks, but we were ready to go. And as soon as we got the approval, within five days, we launched. Um, and we brought that to market, that, that webinar. And we did this live webinar. It was totally uh, planned out every single detail down to behind the, uh, it was, uh, what was that? Uh, the morning news show where they have the signs and people are outside the glass and they're holding up the yeah, signs. Today. Yeah, the today. today show. Yes, yes, yes. So we mirrored it after the today show. And basically behind the couches where we were sitting was uh, glass from floor to ceiling. And we had all of our employees that were like 15, 20 people all crowded in. So like, you know, it was a giant crowd and they had signs. My kids were there. Mom, look, I'm on TV, right? With signs. And then we we clipped the heck out of that out of that video campaign to be able to uh, launch micro videos on uh, with Fly Message. Then what we did was is I built up a an advisory board and I started gathering strategic advisors. Something I want to talk to you guys about. Uh, but uh, we we got them and we started doing uh, um, graphics with their face on it and their quote on why Fly Message is the legit thing, why they invested. I did five minute long videos, had uh, three questions that I asked. They answered it in five minutes. And I did that with like 15 people, really powerful, influential people of why they invested. Now, nobody knew whether or not they invested 5,000 or $50,000. It doesn't matter because that's their money, right? And they're still investing. So we launched those types of campaigns um, and we put them out there in the social ether, on YouTube, on social media, on our website. We used our email marketing to be able to drive this. And um, then most people didn't buy, quote, or invest off of that we piqued the interest and curiosity. And now I went into pitching sessions, 30 minute pitching sessions, and basically um, uh, use the close of, hey, it's going away. And uh, we kept extending it because we had popular demand, if you would. And I kept out there um, in terms of the social media. Um, so both Viv and I were utilizing graphic, video, graphic, video, text, graphic, video, graphic, video, text. That was the format. And then uh, we used email marketing pretty significantly as well to be able to drive those meetings. So what, what what's the point to a seller who's listening in? The point to a seller is, first of all, um, the ratio of 190 meetings to 150 um, investors, micro investors is very, very high. It's abnormally high. And that had a lot to do with the fact that 
I'm a known resource as a 26 year B2B sales and marketing veteran. I'm not just an influencer. I actually sat in the seat and I brought that that experience to the influencer status. Yeah. And so that was one big difference. What that having been said, even if I had gotten $100,000 and I got 20 investors, I still, you use this as an opportunity to be able to get more no's. I'm looking for the no's. And that's what I kept counting on was how many VCs can I get in front of and get a no? Because I'm, that means I'm that much closer to a yes. Um, and so the number actually for uh, founders um, is uh, most founders told me if you haven't had 300 VC meetings, you haven't had enough. Really? 300. That's the magic number, 300. Now, don't get me wrong. I I've got the book right here uh, from uh, uh, from Evan Baher and Evan Loomis called Get Backed, right? You have examples inside here of people who actually got invested after uh, uh, 13 pitches and 14 pitches and 30 pitches. Um, but majority of founders you talk to, they're into the 100 to 300 um, pitches that they've done to be able to get that first set of money. Where do they, do they make the pitches virtually or do they have to fly places? The best part about it is the old days, your goal was to book a meeting face-to-face. Yeah, I did 190 plus pitches all virtually. Wow, way to go. All virtually. And um, it was to be able to have rapid progression to be able to move on. And then what happened was, is because so many sales enablement leaders, actually um, about 20% of all the investors are sales enablement leaders. Really? Yes. And so what they saw was, oh, in Fly Message, I could see my sellers utilizing this. This is a big pain point. Or another one that came up was, the customer success team and customer service team has just come to us to be able to try to solve this problem. I see exactly what you guys are doing in terms of repeatable messaging and templates. Yes, I want to invest. And so once I got one Jeffrey Gittimer invested, I would absolutely use that on the next Jen Gittimer and say, Jen, well, Jeffrey did. Did you see, did you hear about that? Did you see that? No, really? Yeah. And so now you have this, this ripple effect. So that's the way we leveraged it. And that's the lesson here for sellers is I don't care if you haven't sold to a customer and you're a brand new seller. You use somebody else's story of yeah. success to drive your success. And that's exactly what you would do. And, and, and that's exactly what we did for raising money. And it's exactly what you would do in terms of trying to get that next sale. Brilliant. I love it. Thank you for sharing that. I think it's phenomenal. I'm, I'm, it's uh, something you don't hear about, but takes place regularly. But the effort that you put into it is monumental. You would not take no as a final answer. It was how many yeses do I need in order to get it? That's exactly, yeah. Uh, how many no's do I need to get to a yes, right? Yeah. Um, and so, by the way, there were many folks who were on the fence who said, no, I'm not really sure if this is. And so as soon as I got a, another big wig that wanted to invest, I would reach out to them and say, hey, did you hear so-and-so? They became an investor in 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 in, uh, in Van Gresso's fly message, and they were like, "Really?" And so that's what moved people off the dime. And I had one investor who literally said, "All right, I'll do twenty five k." And within forty eight hours after letting them know of so and so and such and such, all right, I'm doing fifty k. Yeah. <laughs> right, and fifty k is a big deal, by the way. Right, it's, yeah. it's a big deal. But there is something that I didn't recognize that I I don't think any founder would know. Don't get me wrong. If you get institutional investment, which we did, we got um, uh, right side capital led the um, the uh, the um, uh, pre-seed round and is leading our pre-seed round. And we're still looking to get another 400,000 from angels and four VCs, mm -hmm. um, whether it's a $100,000 check or whether it's a $400,000 check. With right side, 
they are an amazing venture partner for us and they really have done a lot. But I don't have I don't have a relationship with them such that I feel like, oh my God, if I go under, I'm going to let them down. Whereas the other 150 folks who only invested 200 plus thousand, because of I you. know, say it again. Because of you. Yes, I know them personally. And I will tell you this, this is the one thing that I didn't anticipate, think about, no founder spoke to me about, and maybe it's just me. But I truly walk around with the weight of the world on my neck, shoulders, back, head, by knowing that if I screw this up, that I'm going to let down 150 people who put, some of them put big money into me. And that's a huge, that's a huge weight. And I think sellers also need to be thinking about that as well, because we don't think about this. But guess what? If you don't succeed at hitting your quota, you're not just letting down the manager that maybe that you're going to disappoint of who brought you on board. You're letting down your family. You, We are the 5% of the world's population that lives off of a quota to pay for our mortgage, our car, our insurance, our healthcare, and everything else in between. That's a huge weight. And I think if we, that is definitely one of the areas that drives me day over day is I don't have the option to fail because that would be a horrible reputation tear on me. But here's one thing I do know, that if I did fail, let's just pretend that I did. I don't think there's a person out of the 150 that wouldn't have thought that I went down fighting. Everybody would think I went down fighting. And that's yeah. important to me. I'm telling you, your story is phenomenal. I mean, what you've overcome, because you could, at any time you could have just said, fuck it, especially when the bullets hit you and the, you know, well, it's just a shoulder wound. I'll just put a Band-Aid on it. Uh, I got to go to the emergency room, but it didn't hit me in the heart. Yeah. And the fact that you're taking your initial investors to heart means you have a load, you have a weight and that weight's not going to go away anytime soon, but it's also incentive for you to come to work every day and be your best. Absolutely. Nothing but the best. And, you know, that back to uh, perfection is the enemy of progress, right? Um, that's the mentality that I brought in. And, you know, we, our service business, we had upwards of almost 30 people, where we're now down to seven people that are full time in the company. Right. So that was a big change this year in 2023 when we cut so many people that were impacted. And it, it was sad to let some of the people go that we loved and that were part of our team, but it was the right thing that we needed to do. But the seven that we have, I tell them every single day, you were handpicked because you're the best of the best. Only deliver the best. Yeah. Only deliver the best. Um, and that's that's super important um, as well. That having been said, hey, for anybody listening in, uh, we are taking angel investment for sure. Uh, and uh, the uh, the buy-in, uh, the minimum buy-in is 50K, uh, but I prefer the 100K checks. And I've only got 400,000 left to go on a $4 million cap, which is an extremely low aggressive cap for what we're doing. And so I'm taking investors. There you go. Where do they reach out? How do they contact you? What does this look like? Uh, easy. Uh, I'm Mario Martinez Jr. on LinkedIn. Uh, reach out to me. Make sure you say that you heard me on uh, the podcast here with uh, Jen and with Jeff and uh, or reach out to me through email, mario at vingresso.com. And uh, people keep asking me, are you going to change the name from Vingresso to Fly Message? The, that was actually another strategic decision that we didn't want to upset the apple cart so fast. The brand behind Mario and Vivica was Vingresso. If we turned that over, plus turned over the company, plus turned over customer. It was a lot to do at one time. 
So I think eventually the answer is, yeah, Fly Message will be the dominant name. But if you go to flymsg.io, um, you can download Fly Message for free. I would encourage you to do it. And we'd love your support. Uh, and more importantly, um, if you want to reach out to me and talk about becoming an angel investor, I'm not, I'm not doing crowdfunding anymore, so I can't take on micro angel investors. Uh, you've got to be an accredited investor. So I'm happy to talk to you about that. Jen, just before you popped on, I've known Mario a long time. And I reminded him of the fact that I knew him when his hair was black and his his hairline was not receding. Exactly. When, when you it was know right someone, here. <laughs> when you know someone for that extended amount of time and you watch their progression, and regardless of what the battle scars that they have are that they've continued to win, that's someone you want to back. Because that's bro. someone who won't back down. True. <laughs> I'll be, I've got your back in a knife fight. That's for darn sure. Be, besides, what people don't know about me is uh, is I grew up from a very poor background. It's such that when I applied to colleges, my family only had enough money to apply for one college. It was $41 that we had. And each college application cost $40. So I applied to one college, which was UC Berkeley, Cal. And it was all or nothing. Either I was going to get in or I wasn't, and I got in. And so that was, that's, it's a story of grit, man. And um, that's uh, one thing that people don't know about me is, hey man, people know that I'm, I'm a little rough around the edges. Uh, I'm a pit bull, that's for sure. Um, but it works for, and it could work against, <laughs> for darn sure. But in this well, yeah, case- but I'm the bottom line for. is you live with yourself and you're proud of it. Yeah. And I think that that's something that um, our listeners, we, we refer to them as diehards. There's a pride that doesn't require a flag. It's it is it's a pride that's within, and that pride will lead you to more business and more money than you can ever shake a stick at. Because people buy that, they understand it. This guy loves what he does, and it shows. This guy's dedicated to what he does, and it shows. This guy's proud of what he does, and it shows. And that's really that's really the message here today. And it becomes attractive, and people are willing to give you money to do it. You know, you made a sale, regardless of how you look at whether it's an investor or or a you know, a case of, of uh, Coca-Cola, you made a sale. True, true. And hey, by the way, Fly Message, you can either pay 27 bucks a year for our smallest plan or 132 bucks a year for our, our sales pro plan. Uh, and it's all you can eat and all you can drink. So um, you, you choose what you're going to be able to save an hour a day, by the way. It's an hour a day that people are saving in terms of productivity. And as of right now, uh, we've typed over um, uh, nearly 700 million characters so far for individuals. We've typed typed them out uh, wow. on different platforms. And so by the end of this year, we forecast we'll be at a billion characters in just 12 months. And Sounds so Sounds like you get your money's worth in day one. Oh my God. Are you kidding me? You and I spend uh, 60 bucks on a dinner for a weekend, right? Yeah, it's a dinner that's not that good because a good dinner costs a hundred. That's exactly right. <laughs> so, so upgrade to our sales pro plan and get the get all the sales prospecting training you want. <laughs> oh, I love it! Thank you so much for being here. This was so awesome. Thank you for yeah. having me. Uh, my people will call your people. Uh, I guarantee you'll get some bounce, and uh, we'll hang out in the future. I have a lot of things I want to talk to you about, but once this message is over, so thank you for being here. Be prepared to be a Mario Martinez Jr. by making the sale, even if your ass falls off. I'll talk to you guys soon. Take care. Thank you very much. I'm Jeffrey Gittimer, wife, Jen Gittimer, rock and roll. Thanks for listening to the show. Don't forget to like, share. Yeah, share with both your friends. 
and subscribe to the podcast. And remember, we have a free 22-day sales challenge. Just go to gitmer.com slash sales challenge to start you on your way.